2: All right, welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Steich, along here with Luke Acree. And today, we're going to be talking about uh, sales operations. Yeah, we and really
1: we really haven't
2: talked about sales No, and this is something much. that you really geek out on yep. in terms of like scaling a sales team. You've done yep. it here at Reminder Media. Yep. You know, went from, what'd you, what, how many sales people it was were like when three, you started? Three. When you took over the sales team and yep. now we've got, what, 120 people yeah, on the phone? about 120. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so kind of crazy. That talent, will, really... talent will only get you so far. You have to have scalable systems. Absolutely, if you, if you don't have scalable systems, you're not you're not going to make it very far.
2: No, fast. and our guest today is going to be talking about that. We know the sales solves all pain in any business, but first, we would love it if you take a minute and subscribe to stay paid on Apple Podcasts if you're not already subscribed, and leave a review along with a comment to let us know how we're doing. Uh, this. Uh, Review featured review. I did not copy down the name. This is Ryan though. I know who this is. I actually know the person who left this review. It's someone that we've been working with a little bit. Uh, His name is Ryan. He's with a company called Simplify. So we're kind of excited to kind of see where that goes. Hopefully our clients will start to see kind of what we're going to be able to offer. A little teaser there. But he says, great sales tips, five stars. Luke and Josh are entertaining and easy to listen to. I listened to the episode with guest Michael Hellickson. It was quick and informative. I do not work in real estate, But I am a sales professional. I left with a number of tips. So, Luke, if you think that the fact that I pulled that review uh, as a coincidence, because we're going to be talking about sales today, you'd be wrong. That was 100% intentional. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. We are stopped. Oh, Oh, we we are go. We are go. (laughs) I just got this.
1: This is the weird one. I just got this from Ariel. Stop like this. And then, no, go. Yeah. This is appropriate, though, because we're talking sales operations today. In our operations, <laughs> we're, we're experiencing technical difficulties. This is just a showcase to everybody that you have showcase. to have operations.
2: Absolutely. Our guest today, his name is Joey Gilkey. He's the CEO of Sales Driven Agency, a sales consulting firm that specializes in helping digital agencies and B2B companies experience predictable and scalable growth by building their sales operations and teams. Joey spent his career in the high-value selling world from leading a Fortune 100 sales. Team of 115 salespeople to now serving over 220 plus digital agencies, helping them become what he calls sales driven. Joey, welcome to the
1: podcast. What's up, fellas? Joey, how man, are we? it's awesome to have you on the show. Hey, go ahead and you know, take a few minutes and just introduce yourself kind of to the audience that don't know kind of of you and your story. We'd love to hear how you got into sales, how you got into sales operations and then helping these agencies and then we'll dive into the topic.
0: Totally, yeah. So the first thing about me you should know is I think that you guys should subscribe to the Stay Paid podcast. Um they paid me to do that. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Yeah, it was uh, a Joey lot of money Gilkey.
1: too, guys. So you better subscribe. <laughs> subscribe.
0: <laughs> it, it was lots. It was many, many pennies. Um. <laughs> so yeah, Joey Gilkey, CEO of Sales Driven Agency. Like you said, we specialize in helping build out sales operations for high ticket B two B companies, uh, a lot of digital agencies, but other uh, professional service companies as well. Um. Yeah, my background is is uh, a little bit different in terms of what landed me in the agency world. Uh, Typical agency world, if you're familiar, is is a lot of creatives, a lot of strategists and technicians, uh, not filled with a lot of like salespeople. Uh, My background was quite different. Um, I got kind of thrown in with the wolves at a a younger age, Uh, like you said in the in the bio. Got to be given probably too much responsibility in the Fortune 100 world. Mm. Um, I paid someone a couple pennies under the table, like you guys, (laughs) and and uh, and and I got thrown into some cool boardrooms. We're also launching a new. Uh, global IT services division at this particular company. And so I kind of got into the baseline, got to help build that out, uh, learned a ton, learned that I absolutely dread corporate world. Mm. Um, and so I left the fortune world, ended up taking a job at a small consulting firm. They're doing about a million in revenue. They had no salespeople. So we, uh, mm. I got to build it from scratch with no budget, a little bit different than the fortune world. Where I had all all of the monies, uh, and then I had none of the monies. So I had to basically get scrappy. I learned there that you Amen. don't have to have resources to be resourceful, and uh, built out the sales operation there. Went from one million to nine and a half in eighteen months, and then ended up getting poached to be the VP of sales of an inbound agency. Had very similar results there. Decided, hey, I'm making these people a lot of money. Why don't I go start my own thing mm. and make a lot more money myself? Uh, little did I know that was very difficult. Um, <laughs> But that thrusted me into the agency world where I have kind of been ever since. And so I'm a little bit different from my world, but uh, I would say agency people and and professional service people are my people. And so, yeah, that's, that's a little about me. And I kind of, this business kind of started by accident. I got around a lot of the right people who had a lot of the wrong problems that I could solve and next thing happened they could do they could do something that I couldn't do and I could do something they couldn't do and so swapped services for a little while until it turned to a business and then it took off and no, here we right. are can you tell you us a little bit
1: can you tell us a little bit about you've arrived by the way i mean you're on the state pay podcast yeah, I, so. <laughs> I,
0: I i feel it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you still have a long way to go up. Obviously, with <laughs> no, uh um, can you tell us a little bit about the agency? Like, what are the problems you're solving? Right, because w- sure. we were talking a little bit before we came on the show, Josh and I are like, we we always interview salespeople, we always interview marketers, entrepreneurs, but we really haven't focused on this idea of sales operations. Can you talk sure. a little bit about what your company solves, and then we can
0: yeah, hundred percent. So we we have found that. In the SMB, high-ticket B2B world, whether it's an agency or it's a consulting firm or it's uh, accounting and engineering, whatever it might be, professional services, we have found that there's really four archetypes for these types of businesses as it relates to sales. All of which, I'll clue you in, lead to a business being, or at least sales and growth being unscalable, unpredictable, unsustainable. Uh, the four archetypes that we find is a lot of businesses, uh, number one... Are entirely word of mouth and referral or network driven to grow. And so because of that, they don't know when the next deal is coming in, how big it's going to be. Is it qualified? Is it not? And so they don't, they're unpredictable, right? It's hard to build a sustainable, predictable, scalable business on other people thinking of you in their conversations and sending you work. So that's number one. Number two, another problem is I find that a lot of of companies are silver, silver bullet hunting. They're just looking for that next tactic. Uh, that's going to get them over this quarter and and help drive business. Whether it's LinkedIn automation is the new hot thing, or it's start a podcast and invite your ideal customers on, or it's um, do cold email and send a thousand emails a month. Whatever it might be, they're they're dependent on a tactic, and it might work. and It might work for a season, but just like any tactic, there's a boom and a bust cycle. So mm-hmm. it's a it, not boom for a season, then it's going to bust. And what happens when it busts? You're dependent on it. The third is very similar, although it's not a tactic. It's about people. This is that business who has kind of gone out there and they've they found that rock star salesperson on accident. They just kind of stumbled over them, found them at the right time. They hit the ground running, had some relationships, bringing business in, and maybe they're crushing it for you. Uh, we call this like the lone wolf salesperson. They didn't need a track to run on, didn't need process. They just went. Now the pro the problem with that is very similar to tactic dependence. To become dependent on that salesperson. And they think, huh, I want to go start my own thing. Kind of like Joey did back in the day. And they leave you, you're left with nothing. And so you go back to nothing. And then you're hoping to find that rock star again. And the last and final is kind of what we call the the, I get it, but I don't get it people. And these are the people who are like, I realize it's not about the tactics and silver bullets. It's not about the, the salesperson rock star. It's about process and operation. But with my background, I don't know how to build that. I have no idea how to create process. I have no idea how to build out the right tech stack to make us efficient and effective. I have no idea how to, find, hire, train, compensate, retain, and manage our salespeople that have no idea what to equip them with from an assets perspective. So those are the people who we love because they get it and they're an easy sale for us because that's what we come in and do is we say, Hey, you get it and we get it. So let us come in and do it for you. Mm. And so that's, those are the four archetypes, if you will, that we kind of see in this space. No, you're spot on from the
2: perspective of like, as you're going through those archetypes, I'm like, yeah, we we've been there. Yeah, we've been in that. We've been in that mode. In that journey. Yeah, yep. we've been in the silver bullet trying to chase the next thing. We've been in the right. lone wolf. You know, I think probably early on, you know, you had that one sales rep that was carrying everything. We've been. So, 100% spot on. I know that everyone sitting here that has is in sales or is on a sales team is going through the same thing. So, what do you do to solve that process? Like, what do you? How, how do you start from a, yep. from an operations? You know, you said the people that get it, they know that they need the scalability, they need the processes. Sure. We call them like playbooks. Like, we've got playbooks that you kind of run the same yeah. play over and over again in your business. What's the starting point for for a business or even for like maybe an individual producer? Who's just looking to build a team potentially to start working yeah. through?
0: Yeah, so I'm a big fan of process over people first. Mm. Not that not that process is more important in terms of value, right? Right. Not right. to look at a process and say it's more valuable than a human being. But what I'm saying is, I would much rather have rockstar processes than rockstar salespeople mm. because I can I can train someone to be competent if I have the right processes, you know. And so I want to make sure if I want repeatable. I need to have something that they can follow, like you said, playbooks. So we're big believers in uh, what we call the playbook hierarchy, which is our sales process hierarchy, which is playbooks, workflows, actions. Playbooks are the end goal you're trying to achieve. I want to get a uh, first-time appointment with the VP of Sales at this SaaS company who's Series A funded, right? Super niche. That's what I want to do. Well, that's the that's the playbook. The workflow is criteria based, right? So it's it's if then. So, if this VP of sales that a staff company who's series a funded is on this particular CRM, maybe they're on HubSpot and I'm a HubSpot agency, then I want to take this workflow. If they're not, then I'll take this workflow. And if I have no idea what we'll this workflow, right? There's different workflows that make up playbooks. Now, underneath workflows is actions. So, essentially, workflows are a, a bunch of actions. So, email one, LinkedIn message four, send them, you know, content three, direct mail five, right. having all these different actions that you could take um, and building out a workflow that helps you achieve the playbook end goal. But where I'd say people need to start is a lot of people live in their head. right? A lot of businesses and probably a lot of of you who are listening to this are probably still stuck selling as the founder or someone in leadership, I would imagine. If you're in the SMB world, a lot of founders or CEOs are, are stuck selling or still involved in sales in some capacity. And, and the problem that a lot of folks make is they, they instantly jump to, I need to go hire a salesperson if I want to get out of sales. I would argue that's going to cost a lot of money and it's going to cost a lot of time because you're going to get it wrong a couple of times. Mm. So the thing that I want to do is I want to make sure that you get what's in your head and the process that you have been following to sell as a CEO founder and get it on paper. And so what we, we talk a lot about the three Ds, which is do, document, delegate. What is it that you do repeatedly that you do well? Document it document it so well that you can then delegate it. Mm. And so do the 3Ds with with your life, right? It, it, you can't just expect a salesperson to come in and pick up all the knowledge that's in your head, right? You created the offer, you created the service, you know your clients better. than Anybody, why do you think a salesperson is going to come in and, and be able to... They're not going to do it through osmosis. Right. Like, you can't just give them a hug and all of a sudden, they're like... <laughs> You've they dwarfed into... the power. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but we kind of think of it that way. And so I would say start with that. Start with what processes are you currently doing? And then ask yourself the question once you've documented it, can I delegate this? Right? And what you might find is as the founder, as the CEO, how you sell because you have baked in authority because you're the owner. You have trust built in because you're the owner. Is that going to translate to a salesperson who's typically lower on the totem pole than the decision makers are trying to sell to? Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, then you need to start thinking from the sales perspective, not from the founder perspective. That's where I'd start. And then from there, build out a knowledge base. It's one of the things, one of the last, uh, most important components of a sales process is or of a sales operation is having a library, if you will, of all your processes, all your playbooks, um, all your campaign examples, call recording sequences, etc. So that uh, a salesperson can come in and it's not osmosis, but they have a a, a library they can go to that's searchable uh, that allows them to start picking up some of that knowledge that you've taken from your head that you've done forever, you've documented, and now you're starting to delegate.
1: I love that. Now, when you look at like a sales team, sales operations, what are the KPIs? What are the key metrics that you are tracking or that you encourage founders to track?
0: Yeah, if you're looking... If founders are tracking for salespeople, is that what you're asking? Yeah.
1: So if you look at your sales arm, what what should you be tracking from a KPI standpoint?
0: So I'm I'm a big fan of outcomes over actions or activities. Okay. So there's an aspect of qualitative activity and quantitative activity I'm not super worried about that if they're achieving the outcomes I want right and so the outcomes you want have to be kind of defined by you um, in terms of is it revenue is it profit margin whatever it might be for your position but usually it's revenue or deals driven in and here's the way I think about sales management if they're achieving outcomes that I want them to achieve or exceeding leave them alone Let, you know don't leave them alone in terms of don't manage them but you don't need to necessarily go in and, and analyze all their activity and stuff like that. There is, there is a place for optimizing their activity and all those of things. But if we're just looking for troubleshooting, are they hitting outcomes? Yes or no. If yes, let them go. If no, go a step further quantitatively, then are they doing enough output? Are they actually, that's when you start getting into the activities. I'm not saying don't track them. I'm saying, look at outcomes first, then look at the activities they're doing. Are they doing enough activities? If the answer is yes, then it's a qualitative problem. It's the activities they're doing are not effective. And so therefore, we need to optimize the, the copy, the subject lines, the call scripts, whatever it might be. If the answer is no, then it's pretty simple. Do more. And do more output. And then we'll reevaluate. Once you've done more output, are you still doing the same or, or, or still not as good results or outcomes? Then we'll drop down to qualitative. So that's kind of the, the ladder I think through when I'm actually analyzing salespeople and their performance. From management perspective. Um, outside of that, KPIs. I look at revenue. Obviously, that's pretty obvious. I look at revenue from a weekly, a monthly, quarterly, and annual. And uh, I look at total deals brought in. I look at deal uh, time to close. So when it enters my pipeline, so when it closes, I look at win rates. So how many of the deals that enter my pipeline are we closing? Because what it helps me do as a manager or as a CEO is it helps me make big decisions. If mm. I know I've got an average deal of, for round number's sake, $10,000. $10, and I know I have 50 deals in the pipeline. And I know my reps close 20%, right? So at 50 deals, they're going to close 20, 20 times 10,000, that's 200 grand. And I know that our average deal cycle is nine days. Well, I know that in nine days, I'm going to close $200,000 in revenue. I just reverse engineer. It helps me make really big decisions. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm looking at. And then obviously leaderboards, creating leaderboards. Creates competition, creates culture. You know, when we when we build out dashboards and reporting for clients, I always make sure that we have some gamification to uh, the sales department.
1: Do you show everybody on the leaderboard, or do you stop it at five, ten, top five, top ten?
0: Yeah, if you have like a really massive team, um, I would probably have buckets, and I probably wouldn't. I don't like to shame people, right? I like to reward those for performing, and I'll I'll probably not have the lower tier if there's. 20 people, I'm probably going to show top 5 and I'm probably going to show I'll probably show top 10 and then I'll probably just have the lower 10 let them know they're in the lower 10 and then in my one-on-ones, I'm going to discuss where they're at gotcha, okay. And then that helps me actually think through hey, there might be something going on and I don't want to embarrass them if there's something going on Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that was something we had to think about. It's like, do we show how many? Do we show top twenty? Do we show top ten? We ended Mm -hmm. up with the top ten. I'm also curious. Here's a pain point for people leading sales teams: is a lot of times the top producer can produce and not do and do half the work (laughs) from an activity standpoint, right? Um, Of other people, at least that's been my experience over the years. Yeah, but at the same time, they in a way they then mess with your standards, right? So, you know, whether it's your standard of phone time, your standard of output of dials, what's your advice to managing sales teams where you have that lone wolf that can just produce with
0: half the work? I've had a couple of these situations uh, and more than a couple. um, (laughs) You can see it on his face, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah. So for one, it falls on me from a hiring perspective to have weeded that out on the front end. Is this person truly hungry? I am a massive proponent of of the character of the person of the drive of the person than their competency hmm. right I, i'm i'm more about attitude than i'm about competency first and foremost it doesn't mean that i don't care about competence it's just like the whole um, outcomes over activity i care about activity but i care about outcomes more yep same thing as i care about the attitude of the salesperson the right salesperson's never going to get lethargic or or laid back now there are those circumstances where Someone just crushes it because they're just natural, or maybe they're just on a win streak and they're comfortable. Um, I think that comes down to me and my one-on-one time as the manager to kind of bring that out of them. Like, hey, listen, you're performing, right? Like, I can't, I can't complain about the numbers you're bringing in, but I know that you have personal goals in your life, and I know uh, that you're capable of a lot more. So, what am I doing wrong as a manager that isn't motivating you to hit that pot- potential outcome that you're capable of? I think we so too often as sales managers um, or founders or CEOs who have to manage salespeople is we forget about the human and we just look at them as a cog in the machine. And I probably, have, I probably over-meet with salespeople to some degree because I care that much about the human. Because if they trust me, they're going to fall on a sword for me. And if I come to them with realistic criticism after they trust me, then they're going to listen to me. And so for me, I'm going to, I have, we have daily stand ups. We have weekly one on ones. We have monthly one on ones. We have quarterly one on ones. I make sure that my salespeople know I'm present and I make sure that I'm staying on top of their personal goals, right? They're not just a rower on my boat going towards my goals. They're a human being that at five o'clock, six o'clock goes home to potentially a wife, potentially a kid, potentially a husband, whomever, whatever your situation is. And they have a life, and they have goals outside of work. And so, how can I help them achieve that goal as their manager and keep them focused on that north star? That may not be helping Joey make you know five million dollars, right? That may not be the goal for them. Their goal might be, hey, I want to pay my bills at home, and I want to you know provide for my family, whatever it might be, right? And so, helping them realign with their goals. Uh, but last thing I'll say on that particular thing, I will fire my top performer if they're hurting my culture. Mm period. I don't care if they're doing 10 times more than the next guy. If they aren't helping my culture, I'll cut them faster than they can even say sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, a, no like,
1: that's a golden nugget. Yeah, you have to be yeah. willing to do that. It's not until what I found is like it's not until your standards reach a point where you're willing to you know like they always say it's burn the ship. You're you're willing to take it to a level that No, no, no. I believe in this. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bend on this. It's your culture, or yeah. whatever it is, and that ultimately influences and earns the respect of the people so much faster.
0: Yeah, if you've heard the phrase like "rising tides uh, lifts all ships," sometimes firing that culture cancer who might be the top performer is what will lift all ships. Yep, right. They might be 10x performing the next guy because they're hurting the culture, and they can operate in a sh- culture. Excuse my language, if I can cuss they can operate in that culture, but maybe the other nine guys in the team can't. And so you might find that getting rid of that, can- that culture cancer, though they were 10x performing, actually lifts everybody's ability and they more than make up for the, the disparity between what they were performing at number one versus everyone else below them.
1: Mm. I think you said a golden nugget <clears throat> in there that I want people to you know, kind of take away is that you're never going to motivate your salesperson for your goal or the company goal. <laughs> you got to motivate them for their goal. Yeah. And your vision as a company has yep. to be big enough for them to achieve the vision for their life mm-hmm. with inside your vision of your yep. company. And I think that's... I, we learned that even on the podcast from Jarrett Glant, Grant Cardone's president or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, Like yeah. He came on and that was one of the, the main tips he shared too is motivating salespeople. You have to motivate them to their personal goal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so hard to do when you're trying to hit your quota for sales numbers. Very yes. very hard to
0: do. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think that, it, and it gets hard. You have a lot of salespeople. It's hard to to keep track of that. At the end of the day, they're a human being. You got to treat them like that. They're not a cog in the machine. If they're a cog in the machine, then they're going to be replaced pretty soon. No. Um. Absolutely. And so I think that's huge. yeah But but can I say like from what my experience, I you can like,
1: say yeah yeah. Let me say it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just want to get to your take my on this. permission. You have to be hard on people. So I think the danger is when you when you talk about care you want to care about people these are human beings i agree with you a hundred percent yeah but you can't be soft on people and the reason why i say that is is in my journey here at reminder media i took a very similar approach in the early years of you know hey everybody knew i cared about people tremendously all this stuff and it wasn't until i realized that my caring about people has to mean i have to discipline and I have to hold standards, yes. like that's true care about people. And I just want to point that out to mm-hmm. people listening is that, man, it's like you might not be liked as the manager, the leader, but the purpose is not to be liked. It's to help people achieve what's yeah. achieve their greatest version of themselves. That's what a leader's it- job is. It's the question on every real estate agent's mind. How do I get leads? Lead magnets entice prospects to give you their contact information in exchange for something they find compelling. Discover the best practices and strategies for creating a lead magnet with our free ebook, Lead Generation for Real Estate Agents. Successful internet marketers routinely use lead magnets to grow their email lists. And with this resource, now you can too. Go to ReminderMedia.com leadgeneration Lead Generation and download this free resource today. That's ReminderMedia.com leadgeneration Lead Generation. Take action on this today.
0: And we've heard the buzzword empathy, right? It's like Gary Vee. If you guys listen to Gary Vee or watch him at all, like he talks about empathy all the time. I think he named his freaking wine company, Empathy. <laughs> um, but it, it's a buzzword for a reason, right? It's a powerful word. And I think we equate empathy with being soft. Empathy means putting yourself in their shoes to understand them, right? And, and the, only, the only purpose I want to put myself in their shoes to understand this so that I can better serve them. And sometimes serving them is kicking them in the that's ass. Great point. And that's, and that's required. Because again, this comes back to knowing them as the human being and having the goals. You want better for them. You need to want more for them than they want for them. If you want to be a great manager. And sometimes that means telling them, Hey, you said your goal is to do this with your family. You're not going to achieve that doing what you're doing today. Just being point blank with you, what, what you're doing today from an outcomes, activities, whatever it might be, you're not going to achieve that goal. Right. And so actually and this might be helpful for people to think through from a management perspective, but like a, a salesperson asset. We have a morning startup and a, a daily shutdown routine for every sales rep. So I require my sales reps to have 30 minutes before the day, not, not role playing, not going over scripts, but actually dreaming and thinking through, like having a morning routine for mm-hmm. like self care, right? Goals, those types of things. I want them to have that. At the end of the day, I make every sales rep do a daily shutdown scorecard. So we have a scorecard built in. It's built into our database. Every sales rep at all my clients at our company, they log in. They have a daily shutdown scorecard that has a, a number of metrics that we're tracking revenue, close today, uh, first time appointments, uh, follow up appointments, uh, number of activities. And then we have like a rating system. Um, rate yourself one to five, one being terrible, five being amazing. And there's about 10 questions. Did you, how's your morning time? Did you honor your obligations today? Did you serve your teammates well and your clients well today? Like All those different questions so that they're self-aware. They're constantly self-aware. Of their That's awesome. And it's also a good tool for me as the manager because what I can see is if their revenue is high, this is really interesting. If their revenue is high one week, like revenue closed is higher than normal. But their ratings are low. I guarantee if you look at past week's ratings, they were up. And right now, they're low, which means watch out for a slump coming up in the next few weeks. So their revenue is going to start dropping. And so you see all these indicators, lag and lead indicators of when someone's going to perform and when someone's going to hit a slump. And it really helps you as the manager to kind of stay on top of that.
2: Is there anything you can do about that? Like now that you kind of know that, is there anything that you can do to combat it? Or is it just, hey, that's the natural progression of things. Now you kind of know what to expect.
0: Yeah. Every, every salesperson hits their slumps and we're all humans. And so we have, we have down weeks and personal issues. Like if you looked at my personal performance, I've been going through a lot of stuff with family health issues. If you looked at my personal performance as a CEO of a company, it's way down, mm. right? And And I'm doing what I can, but like there's a lot of stuff going on that I have to tend to. I've got a newborn as well, so it's there's a lot going on in my life. Thank you so there is some there is an aspect of that again that that comes to staying close to my salespeople and and constantly meeting with them. But yeah, I think there's absolutely if you start seeing a couple day trend, you know, we have it set up in our system to kind of indicate those types of things, so we'll start seeing it turn red. you'll start seeing a sea of red mm-hmm. kind of like, it's like orange to red. When you see a drop-off, it's really interesting. And you can kind of see this, this wave. And so I like to see when they start hitting threes uh, is when I like to kind of step in. Say, so, hey, just FYI, noticing these things, is there anything I can do to serve you? That's another question we ask in the scorecard is, is there anything that we can do better to serve you? And so it's just, it's just an open blank uh, space that can type in any question. That helps me create training as a manager. That helps me facilitate them in my one-on-ones if I need to do one-on-one training or if I need to help them through a problem. It's, Hey, I'm noticing, you know, I'm noticing my conversion rates are down. I need help closing, right? I can create a training for the whole team for that, or I can address that in my one-on-one time. Another question is overall, all your overall thoughts on today. And you'll start seeing trends with that as well. So it's super interesting. But yeah, I would say when you start seeing those threes on the one to five scale, that's the time to kind of step in and say, Hey, just so you know, statistically speaking, you're heading for a slump. Hmm. <laughs> I <laughs> and, love that idea. Um, yeah. You know what? Why is that? Help yeah. me understand. So one of my favorite sales phrases to use, whether I'm selling or I'm managing, is help me understand. So hey, John, help, help me understand here. You're doing awesome this week and you're not. Or hey, you know, if you're objecting to something in a sales conversation, a closed meeting, hey, help me understand. We we went through this whole first-time appointment. You said your goals were this, this, and this. We went through budget, authority, need, and timing. All the boxes were checked. And now we're here when it's time to pull the trigger and, and we're backpedaling. Yeah. And all, all of a sudden, now you have another person who needs to be involved in the decision making process. But we weeded that out in the first call. So help me understand what changed, right? Same thing happens on the sales side versus the operations side. I love that phrase. So I think Steal there's it.
2: so much that people can take away from that, even if you are <clears throat> working for yourself, you know, if you're holding yourself accountable, like the idea of having a daily shutdown or, yeah. or a scorecard mm-hmm. of saying, like, not only here were my results, but here's how I was kind of feeling yeah. and what was yeah. going on when those results happened. What a great way yes. to keep yourself not only accountable to what you're doing, but to be able to recognize, okay, how is where my mind is or my mindset is right now? Yes. Where's that ultimately going to lead results wise? I love yeah. that.
0: No, I th- yeah, I, think I, I have so one far.
1: personally. You have your own personal shutdown? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, my metrics are way different than, than a salesperson's necessarily. But how did you I, I build I still, them? Did
1: you come up with
2: the, the formula, the questions yourself, or did you get inspiration? Yeah, from so for
0: else? me, yeah, for me. Um, at the end of the day, I'm like, is there anything new under the sun these days? I'm not sure. I probably got something from someone, so I, I can't take full credit. I'm well, sure, I didn't know but... if there was
2: another source or something that people or do you have do you have like a
0: template that people can use? Yeah, I, I mean, we have a template internally. I'd be happy to share uh, awesome? with the audience. Yeah, just reach out to me, Joey at SalesDrivenAgency.com.
1: That's yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm curious, man, because we have a ton of people on the show, and we always ask them, you know, hey, look, you've had success in your life. What are the routines that you implement in your life that you have found that have driven success for you?
0: Yeah. And uh, I would say this season of life not a great indicator of that because uh, life's crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say for me, I mean, having that morning time to myself, so a couple of things. Um, I mean, if you guys are familiar with the EOS Entrepreneur Operating System, um, we run our leadership meetings kind of similar to the, the level 10 meetings that they have structured. And, and one thing that I have found is... Try to delete as many tasks on your task list as possible because they're not as important as you think they are. Hmm. So that's something I really live by, and so I, I, I operate in kind of this whole the jar metaphor of there's rocks, there's pebbles, and there's sand. It's like rocks are the big, important, massive quarterly goal type of things you're always working towards. Pebbles kind of fill in some of those gaps there. They're important things, they're weekly, monthly type of accomplishments, and then sand is just like your email inbox that's just flooded with everyone else's to dos for your life. Hmm. And I, I try to operate with the rocks as much as possible. So that's something that I've really implemented is I want to keep my, my to-do list, basically my rocks and maybe my pebbles. Outside of that, having my morning time, you know, for me, my, my spiritual, my faith is, is super important to me. Um, uh, my family's super important. And so if I feel like I'm, I'm getting off kilter, that's, that's part of my daily shutdown card is what time that I leave today. Love that. And, and that's important to me because I want to track that. I want to know, okay, Joey, you're stressed out right now. I am um, I am a workaholic, and I had to do that because I'm a workaholic. I I I was at the office at 2:45 this morning, um, mostly because of my newborn, um, but <laughs> also because my mind once he woke me up and he wouldn't go to sleep for whatever reason, um, and then he finally did. I was like, oh, I can't go to sleep, so I might as well go do some stuff, work on my rocks, you know. And so I got I got to the office. I live five minutes from from the office, and uh, got in here and I got a bunch of stuff done. And I love that. I could work from two forty-five. I haven't left yet. It's four forty right now on on Eastern Time, and I got another hour probably after this podcast. So I could do it all day. It's just I know it's not healthy for me. My health is going to take a hit. My fitness, my diet—it's all works together. Usually, when any of those are off balance, they all kind of get off balance for me. Yeah, and so, and I think for me too. Like I just I got to be aware of not where I'm losing, but where I'm winning because for me. I want to take joy in the wins, but at the same time, knowing myself personally, and this is just me, Joey Gilkey speaking. I know personally that I want to escape where I'm losing and, and and put more chips into where I'm winning because it feels the best, right? So for me, oftentimes it's business and I'm, I'm excelling in business and I make a lot of money and do, you know, all those things. And so I want to put more time and effort into that because it feels good to get that dopamine hit. And then you go home, you're like, I'm just like a normal dude who's kind of doing a decent job being a dad doing an okay job at being a husband, not being a great friend to some of my friends. You know, like for me, I want to have a balanced life. I want to be imbalanced in the sense that I want to be 100% in whatever I'm in, but not at the expense of all the other things, if that makes sense.
1: No, man, I think that's a great point. I think so many of us underestimate, like you put in all this effort to your career, but you give barely any effort to your health, your relationships, all the other things that make up actually a huge portion of your life huge portion. They'll be there after your career. Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. That's point. right. <clears throat> nah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome.
2: Well, thank you so much for being here, Joey. Before we close out, let people know how they connect with you, how they can work with your agency or find out more about it.
0: Yeah, come on over to uh, www.salesdrivenagency.com and uh, come check us out. We've got a bunch of case studies on there you can check out. Um, otherwise just book a call and you won't talk to me. Sorry. You got a sales operation running. <laughs> uh, but you'll talk to my awesome client advisors and, uh, and then eventually you'll talk to me if you work with us. So, um, outside of that, I'm also super active on social. So LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash Joe Yulki and come find me. Make sure to write a note if you connect with me because I probably won't accept it if uh, you didn't tell me you came from the podcast. <laughs> awesome,
2: man. Well, thanks again so much for being on here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. To get those links, we're going to include those in the show notes for this podcast over at staypaidpodcast.com. Uh, and if you're looking for ways to support the show, I mentioned at the top of the show, but the first way is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. And the best way is to share this episode with a friend. You can reach me or Luke at podcast remindermedia.com. You can always connect with us directly. We are
1: at staypaidpodcast.com on Instagram. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke. What a great episode for you to have applicable tips to apply to your organization, especially the sales arm of your organization. The thing I took away that I think is an easy action item, especially for most of our listeners who are maybe in real estate, insurance, finance, all those industries where you're the sole salesperson a lot of times, is have you done the 3Ds? Have you do document delegate. You got it. Yeah, I got it. Do you document, delegate? I was like, how do you say, how do you do? How do you do? (laughs) How do you do? But those three Ds, it's so critical for you to scale to the next level because how do you know the plays that work that you want to run again and again and again if you've never documented them down? If you've never learned exactly actually your knowledge that you have in your head? put it on paper and built it into a system. That's how you're going to get scale. And ultimately, that's how you're going to get freedom. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry that we worked in is top producers take action. Take action on that today.